0: Welcome to episode number 166 of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh. Thank you for hanging out with me today and spending some time with me. We have got a huge topic that we're going to tackle today – ADD, ADHD, what is it? How does it work? Why are we this way? (laughs) Have you ever felt like you just don't fit anywhere because your brain's going 100 miles an hour, nobody understands you, or feel like you drive people crazy because you're scattered and disorganized, you constantly interrupt people, or maybe walk out of the room right in the middle of someone's sentence? I had this happen to me once, you guys. I will share that story with you and what my reaction was and how I feel about it now. Because honestly, when I started researching this episode, I I have been shocked at what I, I've learned, right? I'm so fascinated with this. And I felt like so many things about myself were starting to make sense, but so many things about All these people in my life started making more sense to me. And I feel so much more equipped to help people with this issue because I've never done a deep dive into ADD and ADHD, which is weird when you think about it because a lot of people have it. And it's certainly they say that people, they say ADHD is five to 10 times more common in adults with drug and alcohol abuse. So that's pretty big, five to 10 times more common. And I've always felt because ADD is, or ADHD is a dopamine issue in your brain, right? And that's one of the things, dopamine is a big thing with addiction. So it always made sense to me, like I understand if you're dopamine challenged (laughs) to be more susceptible to addiction, obviously you're going to be dopamine challenged to be more susceptible to ADD. So, and I've recognized it in myself for sure. So I had some understanding of it, but I've never done a deep dive. And Some other things with ADHD is um, easily bored, super sensitive to distractions, creative, intense. Also, in a lot of my reading, they said that it's most common to have ADD or ADHD as a child and carry it into adulthood rather than it showing up in adulthood. And I would say that resonates with me also because I never would have known, I wasn't a hyperactive child. I didn't have the the H. <laughs> I didn't have so much of that. But when I was really reading about this, I, I could recognize all of these things in me as a child, but I was a child a hundred years ago, right? ADHD was not a big thing until many, many years later in my adulthood is when this really gained some popularity and started being diagnosed and medicated. So this wasn't even a topic of conversation when I was a kid, but I can certainly identify that I had a lot of these things as a child, which would make sense, again, why I have it as an adult. So I'm super fascinated with this. Um, Again, I've known for a long time that I have ADD on some level. One of the things I loved, I have two articles that I'm really working from that were, that explained things in a way that made the most sense. I will link to the actual articles in the show notes, and one of them is from a website that I'm kind of in love with at this point. This is a really, really great website and super informational, and it's called Attitude, A-D-D-I-T-U-D-E, attitude inside the ADHD mind. There is so much fantastic information on here. And it's all written in a way that's easy to understand, which is always what I'm looking for. And if I want to share it with you guys, I definitely want to make sure it makes sense, right? I'm not going to take you on crazy deep dives when I'm reading like medical journals and things like that about brain science, because most people would fall asleep. But this is fantastic. So I'm really working from two main articles. Again, I will put those in the show notes if you want to read the whole things. And I'm going to talk about a lot of stuff from them. One of the things I loved that they said is they call it the ADHD nervous system. And again, I had never thought of it like that. Makes perfect sense. It is a nervous system thing, and it's being hyper-focused. And Like, you want to be engaged in something interesting and challenging at all times. The ADHD nervous system is rarely at rest. That was the sentence that stood out to me in this article. And this is so good, too, because you think of it as a deficit, right? Attention deficit disorder, like you have a shortage of attention, but it seems that it's exactly the opposite. It is hyper-focus. Always have four or five things going on in your head all at once, and nothing gets sustained undivided attention, you're not doing anything well. And I cannot tell you how many times I've had this feeling where I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have so many things happening, but I feel like I'm not doing anything well. And because I, because I have too many things, right? <laughs> There's too many things going on in my head, too many things happening in my life. Another thing I was fascinated with is sensory stuff, right? It says uh, many people with ADHD can't screen out sensory input. And this really resonated with me because I have this weird Hearing thing. Like, if there is the tiniest bit of noise in the background, I will not be able to hear the person that is speaking to me right across the table because all I can hear is the background noise. Um, And I never had any idea that this was, I just thought it was a weird thing about me. I didn't know it was actually a thing. Let's take a minute and talk about the overwhelm of ADD because it's really intense. People with ADHD have a lower threshold for outside sensory things, right? All you Think all your senses. They refer to it as the ADHD nervous system. And it's overwhelmed because everything is so intense and all of our senses are cranked up on high. And it is rarely in a resting state. That ADHD nervous system wants to be engaged in something interesting and challenging all the time, which is fascinating because it's attention deficit, but it's the opposite. It's, it's excessive. It's not that we have a deficit. It's excessive constantly constantly having, you know, a thousand things going on in your head and (laughs) thinking about different things and situations and scenarios, and we're almost hyper-focused. And that's also why nothing really gets handled, right? Nothing gets completed, nothing gets sustained, nothing gets undivided attention, and nothing gets done well. I can't tell you how much I have had this feeling in my life and my business where sometimes I just have so many things going on. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm doing things and I'm completing things, but I'm not doing things well. I'm certainly not doing things to the best of my ability because I'm always flying from one thing to the other. I so relate to so many of these things. They also talk about sensory input. And it's said most people with ADHD can't screen out sensory input. And sometimes that can be related to a single sense, like hearing. And again, I know I relate to this in a huge way. I've hyper-focused hearing. But it's all like background noise, right? It's all residual noise. Like if there is background noise, I will not be able to focus on the person talking to me. All I can hear is the background noise. And I'm going to give you some examples that they put in this article too with the sensory thing. Uh, The slightest sound in the house prevents falling asleep and overwhelms the ability to disregard it. Any movement, no matter how small, is distracting. Certain smells, which others barely notice, cause people with ADHD to leave the room. I, I have two of those three for sure. A confusing piece of this is oftentimes, an ADHD person can hit a deadline or can perform at a high level, uh, produce a lot of good quality work in a very short time, like doing a whole semester of study in a single night of, of being hyper focused. And that sounds fantastic. I always said with college, I was like, listen, just give me the weekend crash course. I promise you I will ace it. I will learn everything you want me to learn. I will ace the test. But this like dragging it out for years is brutal, you know? So yeah, I can get that too. Another piece I thought was fascinating is people with ADHD can create crisis to get that adrenaline rush because it gets them engaged and they function better. And you hear this in addiction a lot that like we're addicted to drama, we're drama queens, whatever. And I get that because it does, it gives you a hit, right? It gives when something is a bigger situation, a more dramatic, my brain fires all of those you know, adrenaline, endorphins, dopamine, the things that it doesn't fire well on its own, right? Which is what makes me more susceptible to being an addict. When it's a big situation and there's a crisis, all that stuff starts firing and we get a charge from that. Just like we can get a charge and misuse sex or gambling or shopping or food Because you do, your brain fires all that stuff and it makes you feel good. And ADHD, you get a rush of adrenaline and all of a sudden you're in top form. So I thought this was great too, because I've always connected in years of doing this work with thousands and thousands of people. I've always connected that there there are a lot of adrenaline junkies (laughs) that that have addiction or in recovery and I never knew it was a part of ADHD, though. So I love learning this stuff. Um, But it makes sense, right, that people will create crisis. And we call it self-destruct or self-sabotage. We screw things up. We create big situations where they don't need to be. But again, that's when somebody with ADHD is functioning at their best, is in that sort of high crisis situation. People will do this with anger also, uh, starting fights with your significant other. You know that old saying, uh, you break up just to make up? There is a cycle in that 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 is really powerful and can be habitual, and anger gives us that adrenaline rush also. So we'll use that, we'll start fights and we explode And because it puts us in a high-functioning state that we do really well and that's comfortable. And you can bring up, you know, resentments from years before. You know, things that just were never worked through to a resolution. You know, anytime somebody is bringing up Things that happened years ago, um, and they're kind of hanging on to that stuff, is typically because they haven't processed it through to an actual resolution. That person doesn't feel good about the situation. They don't understand it fully, and that's why they keep bringing it up. That's why it continues to nag them. And if you're one of those people always bringing stuff up from the past That's a really good place to start doing some work and really get to some resolution and understand why you feel the way you feel so you can put that stuff away because we don't do each other any favors by continuing to beat each other over the head with things we did 10 years ago. It's not healthy. It's not kind. You can't repair a relationship when you're constantly doing that. So that's a really great place to start digging in and doing some work and figure out how to fix that stuff. So let's get into the definition of attention deficit disorder and what it means. There's ADD, ADHD. I think now it's ADHD, and there are three types. The first one is the inattentive type. And there's a list, you know, anything that gets diagnosed, any mental health issue, struggle, any um, personality disorder, all of those things. There is a manual. It's called the DSM. They update it every so many years. And there is a criteria. And it will be like, for this diagnosis, you have to have so many of these symptoms, and they have to last for so long. So with ADHD, it says a person with this type must have at least six of these nine symptoms and very few of the symptoms of hyperactive impulsive type. All right. So six, six out of the nine makes you an inattentive type, uh, not paying attention to detail, making careless mistakes, failing to pay attention and keep on task, not listening, being unable to follow or understand instructions, avoiding tasks that involve effort, being distracted, being forgetful, losing things that are needed to complete tasks. That's inattentive. The next one is hyperactive impulsive. To have this type, the person has to have six of these nine symptoms and very few of the symptoms of inattentive. So hyperactive impulsive type, fidgeting, squirming, getting up often when seated, running or climbing at inappropriate times, having trouble playing quietly, talking too much, talking out of turn or blurting out, interrupting, And often on the go, as if driven by a motor. That is hyperactive impulsive. The last one is combined type. And this is the most common type of ADHD. People will have symptoms of both inattentive and hyperactive. And I know in that one it (laughs) says, running or climbing at inappropriate times. I don't know if adults are really doing that or having trouble playing quietly. I don't know that adults are doing that. Like, obviously, some of this is for kids. And here's some adult ADD symptoms. If you have adult ADD, you may, if you have adult ADHD, you may find it hard to follow directions, remember information, concentrate, organize tasks, or finish work on time. Also, remember, you guys, when we're talking about this, that these these symptoms range in severity, right? Like, not everybody is going to be exactly the same. And every situation isn't going to be exactly the same. So I think I have very situational, inattentive ADHD. You know, because certain things I'm great at, right? Like when I'm engaged with a client, I, I am fully engaged. I'm listening. I'm present in that moment. I'm really good at that. But there are other tasks that I don't enjoy so much that I really struggle with. And I really struggle with staying on task. So it's not if you are this way that you are this way in every single thing in your life, in every area of your life. It it can be situational and it's different with different things. Now, here's what happens when we have ADHD. Here are some of the struggles. Oh boy, you're going to relate to this, my friends anxiety, <laughs> chronic boredom, how often do we talk about boredom on this podcast, chronic lateness and forgetfulness, oh boy, they've got us all figured out, my friends. <laughs> and all of these things, like this can cause a lot of problems at home, at school, at work, like these are major, major issues if not really handled, so to speak. Um, Depression, trouble concentrating when reading, trouble controlling anger, impulsiveness, low tolerance for frustration, low self-esteem, mood swings, poor organizational skills, procrastination, relationship problems, substance abuse or addiction, (laughs) low motivation. And again, this can affect you a lot or a little. And it just depends on the situation, right? It's not going to be the same at all times across the board. In every situation, you're not going to respond exactly the same. So keep that in mind too. One of the things I think that's so confusing about this is the ability to be super focused on something when we find it interesting and simultaneously how challenging it is that To start something, right? Like, it's like we're super focused when we're interested in something and just unable to start or do anything that we find uninteresting or boring. And not that there's not a desire to accomplish things, but feeling like you're just incapable of even doing it. And that creates this sense of uncertainty because... You never know if you're going to be able to do something, if you're going to be able to engage in a task or a project when you need to, or when it's expected of you, or when somebody else is depending on you. And then when you see yourself as undependable and you can't be counted on, you start to doubt yourself, right? And then that brings on some shame. And feeling like you're unreliable. Like this is a whole vicious cycle, just like what we talk about with addiction and alcoholism. It's a vicious cycle. It's like one piece just plays into the next piece. Self-awareness is a big challenge in this, which again is another topic that we talk about a lot in addiction and recovery, and and this is human nature, right? There is a lack of self-awareness in general. We do not see ourselves accurately. And that makes it so important when people give you feedback or people tell you something about yourself, instead of getting angry with them and feeling like they're attacking you or insulting you, really think for a moment about what they're saying because there's probably some truth in it. Even if they're not being kind, there's still probably some truth in what they're saying. Not to the extreme. None of us are horrible people. Well, the majority of us aren't. But really listen to what they're saying because you can get some good feedback from people. When somebody tells you something about yourself or makes a comment about a way that you are, really take a minute and look at that and see if that's how you are. That's how we learn. We have very little self-awareness. This can create some behavior that... Seems off putting to other people because if I don't understand how you are perceiving me in a situation or a conversation, then the natural instinct is going to be to kind of retreat and go inside, which is going to come off like you don't care. <laughs> you know, it's going to come off like you're not engaged or you're not involved or you're not interested and other people can perceive it that way. People with ADD also lack A reliable sense of time, like for them, everything happens right now or not at all. It's not, they don't have, it's called ordination, they don't have that sort of timeline of what comes first, what comes second, what comes third, you know, the beginning, middle and end, so to speak. That also makes it challenging to think about consequences of your actions, right? If if you lack a general ability to think into the future, right? If you're just staying right now, what's happening right now, then it creates that impulsivity where I'm just acting on right now. I'm just acting on this moment. I'm not thinking about... Five minutes down the road, the consequences of my choices, I'm impulsive, I'm just doing it right now, and everything else be damned. Also, I would think would make it difficult to learn from past mistakes too, because you don't think about them. And that might go with that self-awareness piece, right, where now at this stage of my life, I I have a lot of self-awareness, and I can pause for a minute, I've retrained myself, so I can pause for a minute, and I can think about what I did where things didn't work out or things didn't go well. And I can think about those past things and what I want to do differently moving forward so I don't create those same negative circumstances again. But if you're caught up in ADHD nervous system and you are only in now, 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 that's going to be challenging to learn from past things and to think about future consequences of my actions. That probably feels a bit contradictory, too, because in recovery, we always talk about one day at a time and staying in the moment, being present in the moment, be in the now. <laughs> and we have to balance all of that, right, because I do have to think about what direction I'm going, what general direction I want my life to be going in, the type of person I want to be growing into. I want my actions to start to align with the person I want to be instead of my actions being stuck in the person I used to be and what I'm trying to change from, right? So you want to have a general picture of, I know I want to be sober next week, so this week I'm going to make sure I do things to keep me healthy healthy and protect my sobriety. Now if I have a high anxiety moment or I'm having a meltdown of some sort, which certainly happens, if I'm in one of those moments, then I'm really gonna get in the moment. And it's gonna be what can I do right now? to just be okay. What can I do right now to bring myself a sense of calm? What can I do right now to self-soothe? Do I need to call a friend and have some laughs? Do I need to send a funny emoji to somebody to make them laugh? Can I go be of service somewhere? Is there a task I can go do to take my attention and take it off my anxiety? Right. That's being in the moment in that regard. And I think a lot of this is, a lot of treating ADHD and figuring it out is is retraining, just like everything we do in addiction and recovery. So let's get into that part, treatments and solutions. Of course, we all know the medications. Adderall, of course, is the big one that everybody knows. Ritalin used to be much bigger. Now it's Concerta. So we all know those things, right? I want to talk about some of the non-stimulant medications because there are non-stimulant medications. I have this conversation a 100 times a month in my sober living houses because we can't have controlled substances, obviously, in a sober living environment. So you can't take Adderall and be in sober living. Stratera is the primary one that I'm familiar with just because my doctor had talked to me about it many years ago when I was having some focus issues. It ended up I had a totally different issue, but um, Stratera is the one I'm familiar with and the one I tell people to look into. Clonidine is another one. It's very popular. I hear a lot of people in treatment are getting clonidine. And then, of course, therapy and behavioral therapies. So cognitive behavioral therapy, which is C- CBT, uh, DBT, which is a dialectical behavioral therapy. These are all very common therapy things. And like CBT helps a lot with self-esteem. You can do uh, relaxation methods and stress management that can lower anxiety and stress, and that will help. I love that this article actually recommends life coaching to help you set goals and have some accountability and learn to retrain yourself. Because as coaches, life coaches, that's a lot what we do, right? We're helping you figure out how a good coach is going to help you figure out how to make things work in your life. So I take tools and things that I know work overall and we figure out how to make it fit in your lifestyle in ways that you already enjoy because then you're more apt to do it. You're more apt to follow through. So I love that they put this they put life coaching on this list to help you set goals and learn new ways uh, to organize and new methods. Listen, this is a big thing with coaching too is A good coach, again, will know a lot of different methods. It's not a one size fits all, but I'm going to introduce you to some different things maybe that you're not familiar with that you've never heard of, but it might be a system that will work better for you. Um, Job coaching and mentoring, they put on here too, uh, to help you in the work environment. If you're ADHD and it's really challenging you at work. You know, there might be some mentoring or coaching you can get uh, to improve your performance at work and help you be more organized in that way. So let's just recap really quickly some of the biggest takeaways, my biggest takeaways, because so far I'm the only person that I've talked to about this. So (laughs) now you guys know, but as of recording this, I'm the only one I've talked to about it. So I'm going to talk about my biggest takeaways. Um, number one biggest takeaway is that we are more like hyper focused. ADHD is more hyper focused than it is a deficit, attention deficit. To me, attention deficit means you don't have the ability to pay attention. And it does seem like that sometimes. It is kind of an inability, but it's because we are sensory hyper focused. So there are so many things pulling at your attention in any given moment. It's hard to focus on a person talking to you or giving you tasks or whatever. I know another piece of this I have really picked up on is when people space off. You know, like if I'm talking to a client and I can see when their facial expression changes and I know they are no longer listening to me and In my younger years, when I was less patient and self-aware and had less practice, that would really frustrate me because... You know, I would think like, listen, I'm really trying to put together a plan for you, and you're not listening. Well, now I understand. It's not intentional. It's not personal. It's not that anybody's shutting down because they don't want to hear you. It's because they have all these competing things happening in their head, and another thing won in that moment and got their attention. So it's being patient. For me, I will stop speaking, and and I'll say something. I'll go, okay, I can see I've lost you. I'll wait for you to be back, or I might just be quiet. And then when they refocus on me, I'll go, okay, are you back now? This is what I was saying. (laughs) Because it is like your attention is just pulled in so many different directions. And I really didn't understand that that was kind of the crux of it is more being hyper focused on so many things rather than unable to focus. Another big takeaway for me was the sensory stuff. I did not know that. And that really made sense for me about myself. I didn't know that this also makes sense in another way, you guys, in treatment centers. Like, obviously, I've been an interventionist for a long time. I've been in hundreds and hundreds of treatment centers all over the world. And something a lot of treatment centers do, they do sensory rooms. And now I totally get this because... We're sensory overloaded, super sensitive to all of those sensory experiences around us, whether it's movement or sound or smell. I definitely have smells that I will literally walk out of a room that, like I, like I smell them so intensely. I didn't know that that was a. I mean, I guess it makes sense now that I'm talking about it. I didn't know it was a central nervous system thing, ADHD thing. Like, I didn't know that. So that was a huge takeaway for me. Was the sensory part of that? The last thing I'll say that was sensory part of that, and I'll tell you the story when this happened to me, is the thing when they talk about um, walking out of the room in the middle of someone's sentence. I didn't know that this was a real thing. Like I would have chalked this up to narcissism, which is hilarious because when I was researching this episode, that came up a lot. The, like your behaviors can be mistaken for personality disorders. You can seem narcissistic. You can seem uncaring. You can seem unengaged, right? Like it can really be interpreted as a lot of sort of negative things. So I was at dinner and with someone that I knew very well and we're talking and He talks a lot, right? Like you don't even have to engage in the conversation. You can just sit there and he'll talk forever. You don't even really have to be there. And and he's fantastic. I love him. I don't mean that in an insulting way. That's just how it is. And we're sitting at dinner and he had paused and he asked me a question, right? So now it's my turn to talk, which, of course, for an ADHD person would no longer be interesting, (laughs) So I start answering his question, and all of a sudden, he's like, oh, wait, I have to go to the bathroom. And he literally just gets up, puts his napkin on the table, and walks away in the middle of my sentence. And I was just like, what the heck? just happened. And this was several years ago. I had no idea. I had no idea that that is like an ADHD thing. He is severely ADHD. So when I read that, it's like, oh my gosh, this so makes sense to me now. This makes perfect sense. And I'm glad that I'm not quick to react with anger in those situations. I get more curious instead of mad. But in my less healthy life, when I was not as emotionally mature as I am now, that would have really thrown me off. And I would have put all kinds of judgments on it. You're being disrespectful. I can't believe you treated me that way. Like I would have taken that very personally and made it a thing. And it just wasn't a thing. It's ADHD. So that was my other big takeaway. I didn't know that people would could really (laughs) walk out in the middle of a conversation. And that is somewhat sort of normal. So there's our ADD, ADHD life, my friends. I hope you got some good information out of this episode. I feel like I learned so much researching this episode. It was really fun for me. I will link those articles in the show notes. Like I said, the two websites that I got the majority of my information from that one attitude. I really like that one too. Um, I will put that in the show notes for you guys if you liked a lot of this information, please take a minute and share this episode. It's such a huge help for me and for the podcast. So share some episodes, be of service. How can you help somebody else? If there's another episode you really like, share it. I love you guys. I hope you're having a fantastic day and I will see you next week.